Yes, so. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh man. Alright, welcome to this episode of The Weekly. Excited today to be able to discuss uh, something that we've got coming up in the life of our church, an event called Neighborhood Day that's going to be taking place on Saturday, September 22nd. Today I have David Isle and John Hyatt with me. Um, tell us, you guys, tell us a little bit about yourselves, um, uh, what you do, what's your role here at the Church of Greer Station, and what you do when you want to go to Chick-fil-A on a Sunday, and then you realize that it's closed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, where else do you go? What's your alternative? What's your, what's your, is, do you go through, like, the stages of greed? Like, what you do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Uh, my name is John Hyatt. I'm a pastoral resident of Missions and Outreach at the Church at Greer Station. So I work a lot with our local mission stuff and also get our international missions partners their support each month. Um, and what I do is I just go to guacamole instead and eat my weight and steak nachos. <laughs> that's that's actually not at all a uh, overstatement. You you literally get like hundred and thirty five pounds of steak. Somewhere around there. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're if you're not familiar with guacamole, you don't live in Greer. Guacamole is a uh, Mexican restaurant that um, is unparalleled. Unparalleled. Yeah. California style burritos, baby. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Get that fajita burrito. Mm. I'm talking about. All right, um, I'm David I. I'm the Connections Pastor. Um, I work with anything from our membership processes to administration and small groups. Um, and what do I do? Um, I would say after about five minutes of grieving and remembering kicking myself, uh, I go to the lesser than uh, Zaxby's mm. and I get the other fried chicken and french fries. Mm. There's a place for Zaxby's. There it is. But Zach sauce does not equal Chick-fil-A sauce. Just saying. Well, I have strong feelings about uh, Chick-fil-A's barbecue sauce, and I just don't understand why anyone would deviate from Chick-fil-A's barbecue sauce. To You were one of those people that complained when they changed it. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, well, um, the Hoffman family go-to is Bojangles, so that's, that's, oh, that's a good point. Bojo. Yeah, we... Mm. We get our Bojangles on when Chick-fil-A is not an option. So, mm-hmm. Anyway, um, this is a podcast about Neighborhood Day, not <laughs> fried chicken. So um, t- <laughs> tell, us a little bit, uh, tell us a little bit about what Neighborhood Day is and why we have pushed it as a church. Uh, neighborhood Day is something that we've done in the past, or we'll just choose a day usually in the early fall. And just try to emphasize to our members that we want to connect with our neighbors, that we, if we're a church that, that's existing on mission in Greer, then fundamentally that means that we reach out to our neighbors, that we love our neighbors and invite them into our lives. And that's something that we want to revisit again this year, but we really want to just strip it back before we try to encourage people to do maybe a block party or figure out something that they could kind of do in their neighborhoods to connect with their neighbors and this year we're really just emphasizing the need for us as a church just to invite our neighbors into our homes to just have a meal with our neighbor have a meaningful conversation with our neighbor because we believe that the gospel does open our homes 
and we want to just begin making simple practices just kind of habitual for us as a church. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Do you have anything to add there? Yeah, I just think, you know, like, just like we think about spiritual disciplines and how we, yeah. we have to have, we have to discipline ourselves to do things like read the Bible and pray and uh, meditate and fast. And, you know, the, those things aren't things that come naturally to us. It takes mm-hmm. effort and energy. And, and um, I said this past weekend, like sometimes you just need a little nudge. And um, to do something corporately is kind of a form of accountability and, and, and kind of help, you know, like, um, all right, well, I've been thinking about having my neighbors over and I just haven't done it yet. Well, I don't really have an excuse now. Um, you know, this is an effort that we're kind of all in it together to do. And so, you know, I think that the hope is that it sets a precedent that neighborhood day is something that happens all the time in your life, you know, um, and uh, that that there's a, I guess the why behind it is just thinking like, well, we are called, you know, in Matthew to love our neighbors and, um, and this necessarily you know, means that we extend mercy to others and instead of, instead of judgment. Um, and, um, and that can be very hard with even those that live closest to us. That's good. Uh, so I want to say that in Screwtape Letters, um, written by C.S. Lewis, the, the, you know, the classic where he's, um, Screwtape Letters is, is built around a, a, a demon writing to his demon disciple. And it's, it's kind of just an interesting way for C.S. Lewis to kind of highlight some some sin tendencies in our heart. And, and, I, and I think it's in Screwtape Letters where he talks about, um, he tells uh, uh, Screwtape, the Uncle Wormwood tells Screwtape as much as he can to get his patient to love neighbors as like capital N concept, love your neighbors, instead of instead of actually having faces and names that kind of fill in that neighbor category. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things, I, David, you said this on Sunday at the family meeting, I thought it was a really good point. Like, if we were to love our neighbors in obedience to Jesus, that's not an abstract, vague um, kind of uh, uh, practice that we involve ourselves in. It actually begins with like loving our literal next door neighbor, the one who has the dog that barks at all hours of the night, the one who <laughs> allows that dog to poop in your yard, the one who plays music loudly, the one who, you know, has weird smells emanating from their back porch, whatever it is, like, that's the neighbor that we are called to love. I didn't know Mike was that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's it's Steph. It's Steph. Uh, (laughs) Yes, so... (laughs) That's great. <laughs> oh man yeah so um, I, when we talk about loving our neighbors we want to talk about loving names and faces not abstract categories of neighbor um, and this is this is kind of our effort as a church to like really press into that um, you know I've heard about churches uh, doing days where they'll say like, like Wednesday at noon we're all going to pray together over this specific thing or we're going to spend this season fasting together over this specific thing and I think I think for us, this kind of neighborhood day idea was born out of like, what if, like you said, David, what if we kind of corporately decided we're going to do this together and just see what comes from it? Mm-hmm. Um, so again, just to be clear, like this is, we're, we're not throwing a big block party. We're not doing a, and nothing wrong with that, but we're, we're not doing a big block party in any of the neighborhoods. We're not doing a block party at Chandler Creek. We're just saying, what if one Saturday we all 
just as a church, invited one or more neighbors into our homes and we're to see what happens. Yeah, and I, I think that point that David made about it being something that we have to discipline ourselves in, it's something that doesn't come naturally to us, is really important for us to remember because I think my tendency um, when thinking about reaching out to my neighbors is that that's just really not my gift. I'm not particularly hospitable or, or welcoming. And so maybe that should be someone else's job, but maybe I can serve better in this way. But we would never say that about prayer. We would never say that about reading our Bibles. Um, and we wouldn't say that about loving people. We would, we would never say, well, I'm just, I just can't love, so I'm just not going to do it. It's something that we need to uh, discipline ourselves in. And it's something that it's helpful to have accountability with. So to be able to share specifically with even your community group, I'm going to be inviting these people over. Please be praying for my uh, my words, be praying for my attitude in this situation, um, and be praying for them. I think that's it's really helpful, but it's kind of nerve-wracking because it becomes so specific, and it, it kind of opens up the possibility for us to feel like we've failed or feel like we've made a, a big mistake. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. What um, as, we, as we consider evangelism, as we consider um, engaging our actual neighbors, what would be some objections that arise within us and what would, what would we say to those objections well I think the biggest the biggest one that's the easiest for everyone is just that I don't have time hmm. I don't have time life is busy you know, we've got three uh, kids four on the way and it's like man hours of the day you know um, I just don't have time to walk over to my neighbor's house and have a conversation with them hmm. What would we say to that? I, I think sometimes that, that actually can be true. I think sometimes we can be too busy to engage our neighbors, but that doesn't mean that we don't engage our neighbors. That means we need to change our schedules. Um, sometimes we can, we can become so um, activity and, and, and busyness oriented that we just kind of forget the people around us. And our schedules really end up just showing that we're really just thinking about ourselves a lot of the time. So sometimes we just need to challenge that aspect of our, our lives and, and be honest that, yes, I, I am too busy to engage my neighbors, but that's not that's not okay. I need to fix that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I, I think we actually, we have more time than we, than we think. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things with, with Neighborhood Day. If you're already planning in, on, on cooking out on September 22nd and thinking, well, you know, I don't, I was planning on cooking out. I, I can't engage my neighbor. But you can just invite your neighbor over to that. We're not necessarily encouraging people just to add more things into their schedule and cut out three to four hours in their week to just go out and evangelize. But figure out three to four hours in their week or however much time that's already in their week where someone can be invited in who's an unbeliever. That's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to bet that you were planning to eat dinner on right. September 22nd. <laughs> just a guess. So would you say that we... That we, uh, that we have people to our calendar and not events? Is that what you're saying? I would, if I was as pithy and verbose as you, then that's exactly what I would say. <laughs> I don't know what either one of those words mean. I don't know. I think they're contradictory. I'm not. I'm sorry. Excellent. We'll cut that out. Um, what, so what, what would we say to folks who say, um, I am afraid of what inviting my neighbors into, into my house would mean. I, I'm, I'm not sure I would know what to say. I'm not sure um, 
that I have the tools necessary to uh, engage them in, in any kind of conversation related to Jesus? What's, what sort of encouragement would we have for somebody who, who, if they're really honest, would say, I'm just kind of afraid of stepping into that? <clears throat> well, I think of, um, you know, when we think of evangelism and we think about engaging our neighbors and engaging the lost, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves mm-hmm. with that first conversation or first several conversations and, and really like thinking of it as a progression of a relationship, just like we would with any other relationship that, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't just jump into a conversation with a stranger and bare your soul and tell them all your deepest, darkest struggles and secrets and, and whatever else. Like it, it takes time to work up to that intimacy in a relationship. So I think the conversations being had, like especially something like Neighborhood Day, could be kind of classified as like pre-evangelism. Like this is, this is something that, you know, I'm building a relationship to build a bridge, to be able to share the gospel. And, but even in what I'm doing right now, I'm already, there's already truth in what I'm saying to them. There's already, you know, they can already see that there's a difference in my life. There's, and so... I just think we put a lot of pressure, you know, on ourselves as to like, well, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? What am I going to, and then also, you know, maybe just having some, just having some misconceptions about what evangelism is and that it's not just this canned, you know, message that we just let out on people. And like the snake? Like, yeah, like the snake <laughs> that pops out, you yeah. know. I call it a, you know, I call it like gospel gospel puking or gospel bond. you know it's just like you're just like blah there there it is and you're like I've done my job you know I've shared Jesus and now you are enlightened and then they <laughs> shake their head and walk away from you you know it's um, evangelism is more than that sharing the gospel is more than that it's relationship anything you add John? Um, yeah yeah I think the I think the fear thing is, is really big and I think I think one of the, the the first things you need to do when when feeling that is begin to remind yourself of, of what the gospel is, um, and remind remind yourself of how the gospel has impacted you. Um, if you have been converted, it wasn't because someone convinced you to be converted. It wasn't because someone was so brilliant that they just captivated you to having a new heart. Um, but the gospel actually does have the power. To save, and when I think about the 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 high school girl that, that that shared the gospel with me, like over months, I don't remember a word that she said. Looking back, like I, I can't remember like any any particularly like compelling argument that she laid out, except that she kept laying it out and kind of kept driving conversations back to that, um, and eventually that that brought about my conversion. Eventually, it, it clicked, and and the Holy Spirit used that. Um, but I forget that when I begin to think about my need to, to evangelize. I can forget that that my conversion was actually um, not me being convinced, but it was the Holy Spirit working inside of me and bringing about mm. new life. Mm. That's good. Yeah, there's, there's uh, what God uses is faithful presence, like kind of faithfully putting ourselves in proximity with someone and, and faithfully trying to turn conversations towards Jesus as often as we can. And, um, uh, you know, I, I think some of it, you know, some, some of us are kind of terrified of, of being awkward with people. And, um, 
I think the reality is, is we're going to be awkward in this, uh, in evangelism. I mean, anytime you try to, um, gosh, I was, uh, when I started like lifting weights again and started doing like powerlifting and started squatting, you just, you feel, my body felt like it was like a, like a newborn giraffe, just kind of wobbly and <laughs> I was like unstable and, and my body just wasn't quite, it was just felt awkward and uncomfortable and you felt like everyone, everyone, everyone yeah. well, don't. <laughs> I'm, you're supposed to encourage me. Oh, tell, like, tell me I look great. No, but I mean, I, that's, that's what it felt like. And um, I think there's something to that anytime we, we, we try something new or try to stretch yeah. ourselves. So I think it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's reasonable that it's going to be awkward, but I think it's, I think it's good and it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And it's worth potentially being awkward for Jesus' sake. Mm-hmm. Hashtag awkward for Jesus. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Um, what about folks who are, for whatever reason, they don't have a neighbor that they can invite over? Like they're they're in a dorm room, they are um, live out in the country, and their closest neighbor is eight miles from there. Like, what's uh, how how literally are we pressing on this neighbor idea? Well, I don't think that we've um, in Christian circles in the church. I'll, I don't think we've had a problem with expanding what neighbor means. Um, to be honest with you, like neighbor can be classified as anybody that is in your spirit's life, you know. Um, any unbeliever that you know personally, you know. Um, I think the point being just inviting people into your world um, and sharing a meal with them and interacting with them intentionally. And um, So, you know, yeah, I I know that that can be an excuse a lot of times, you know, for us to um, just even outside of neighborhood day, just thinking, well, well, I can't really invite people over because I live out in the country or I'm a college student or I'm a, you know, it's like, well, there are other ways to express hospitality. So um, even if it means that, you know, you're going to grab a bite to eat Mm -hmm. or something like that. um, Yeah, that's good. Um, And the... um The reality that, that we have community groups and we have people within our church who do have plenty of neighbors mm-hmm. around us. Um, maybe if you're not in a spot to where you can actually like host someone, maybe you partner with someone else. Maybe you just reach out to someone else who's in your community group, someone that you know is going to be doing this and say, hey, look, I'm not really in a spot to be able to, to host, but maybe I can just come and help you out. Maybe I can play with your kids while you're engaging your neighbor. Maybe I can just kind of be there as just another person. Um, just to kind of make it feel less, a little less awkward and just kind of be there to just kind of silently pray for and support you in that. That's a huge, a mm. huge gift too. And it might be if, if you're a newer believer or a less mature believer, it might be really helpful for you to see someone else model this for you first. Um, so I would definitely say that, that maybe your participation is, is just supporting someone else who's having a neighbor into their home. That's good. That is really good. Yeah. Um, what, what we want to encourage you to do is as you consider uh, who, to, who to invite in, um, we would encourage you to let folks in your community group know so they can be praying so there's some accountability there. Um, but we'd also ask that however this, however this goes for you, that you would let us know. If you have a story that you want to tell from Neighborhood Day, that you would reach out to uh, send me an email, send David an email, send John an email. We would love to be able to celebrate um, uh, what God does potentially through neighborhood day even if even if it's to tell an awkward story about you spilling sweet tea on someone and then you never have a relationship again like we that's we want to celebrate that there is that there is um 
uh, an attempt made. And so we, we would just love to hear and, and be able to celebrate what comes from this particular event. So um, with that said, we thank you for listening. We thank you for um, subscribing to the podcast and hope that it, uh, this particular episode was encouraging. And uh, may God bless your efforts as you try to make Jesus known uh, at your work, uh, in your neighborhood, and, and where you play. Grace and peace to you. We will talk to you next time.